Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good day. Happy RC stuff to you and yours. Hope that wherever you are today, you're getting your RC stuff in. My name is Charlie Salenka. I am here with the soon-to-be world-famous Mike Chen. Mike Chen, welcome back, sir. Hello. Happy September. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's the first Friday of the month, and first and third Fridays is when this podcast is on. Hopefully, you already knew that, but... Before we get too far into this, we want to remind everybody, if this is the first time you've listened to the podcast, we just get out of the way. We give away free Hobbywing RC stuff every single episode. All you have to do to enter is email us your name, your address, t-shirt size, what kind of RC stuff you're into. Type your email address on there as well and send that to rcstuff at hobbywing.com and you can be entered to win some free RC stuff. This week, we have uh, some recaps, some upcoming news. We have some new product stuff to talk about, drag racing updates, and some, I guess, I want to say how-tos or explanations on tech things, and Mike gets to get on the road. So, Mike, I'm going to, I usually talk too much, so, Mike, I'm going to hand it over to you. Tell us what you're up to, what's about to happen. He, he, I want to I say it already, but say it. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I'm heading out to an event called Drones of the Desert. It happens in Grand Junction, Colorado, every year. This is the sixth year, I believe, they're running this event. Wow. Uh, yeah. And uh, so Saturday is going to be a Street League spec race pretty much all day. So if you want to tune in on the YouTubes, it's uh, just search up on YouTube, the YouTubes, Street League Spec Drone Racing. Once again, Street League Spec Drone Racing on YouTube. My trick is to how to spell league. It's L-E-A-G-U-E. Yes. It's E at the beginning and the end. Always confuses me. And uh, thank you. We'll be racing pretty much all day. And our uh, Elite Eight will be racing off uh, between 9 and 10 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That's this Saturday. That's this Saturday. Tomorrow you, for people listening. Yeah, if you subscribe Friday. day after this this episode went up. I love Street League. We've talked about it before on the show. If you don't know what it is, it is a spec. Obviously, it's in the name. But the, what the spec stands for is some very uh, generalized, simplified, and direct rules on the size, the weight, the RPM, all a bunch of different things on the, the copters that make them very very friendly to uh fly and spectate so it's kind of the step in the right direction for what drone racing has has needed make it yeah. spectator friendly oh yeah because open i mean trying to follow an open class race like i have a hard time following an open class race line of sight <laughs> right and i mean the the selling point for me is street league drones are bigger than your your normal five inch drone or race, race copter as well so that's nice there it's like uh short course trucks in the sky yeah, pretty much. It's a it's a basically a two pound flying brick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> twelve hundred eighty grams minimum weight. Short course did a lot of wonderful things for RC car racing, and I see. I don't want to compare it directly, but it's it's a step in the right direction for drone racing to be a little friendlier equalizer sort of thing. So I like it a lot. Oh, the software things these guys are coming up with to make everybody like even is incredible too. Excellent. Um, you have a whole month. We talked about it last episode. You have a whole month of things coming up. After this, you're, you're back on the road again for another week for the UAS event, right? That is correct. And we'll be doing another race down there as well. Oh, fantastic. That one's going to be a fun night race. Lots of LEDs, LED gates. Uh, yeah, 
And then well, uh, we'll be able to talk about all of that at the next episode because you'll be in between. I think we get a third Friday where you're back in town and we get to record and get back uh, with the recap. So that'll be good. exactly so. Uh, I got to go to the West Coast Throwdown last weekend and had a fantastic time. I drove out there. I left Thursday night, drove for several hours, and then slept for a little while at a rest station and then carried on and got there a little, I think, a little after 9, a little before 11, somewhere in that range. Got the booth set up, hung out. It turns out that Skittles FPV and Ribbit were there, and I had no idea that they were coming, so they were my... (laughs) My booth guests the whole time, and they do the IGAO, International Game of Whoop and Race Scow, and a bunch of other cool things that I, when I first ran into them at, at International Open a while back, I'm like, oh, that's the IGAO girl. She's, you know, this, this nice gal that's in the FPV and all. Of course, she's married. So I was like, oh, great. But Skittles, great guy. Got to hang out all weekend with them. He raced his brushless turbo whoop in the pro division and ended up i think making it all the way to the b main or maybe even to the final i can't remember exactly it was a long weekend but fun to hang out with those guys and uh if you don't know what west coast throwdown is we've talked about it before there's a race there they have x class which is the gigantic drones and they have normal five inch racing what they call hobby class instead of sportsman class and they have a pro division for the fast guys and then they also have a very cool freestyle competition that they do and they asked me to be a judge this year so i guess if you don't fly at an event for two or three years you become a judge so that's that's what happened to me so they let me <laughs> do ride alongs through the pro division because uh captain vanover was there doing the pro freestyle class so he was a judge for the hobby division and i got to fill his seat as the judge for the pro division and what an experience that was to do i mean we sat there for maybe an hour or two doing ride-alongs with these dudes absolutely sending it through their freestyle course they have this little tree field that's right next to the river that backs up against a little ridge line they set up a couple gates there was a hobby wing banner that guys would unofficially get bonus points for from me if they flew around it at least once or twice so would... <laughs> hurts the but... people went fishing too yeah the... <laughs> <laughs> if you guys know levi he's a racer uh, the yep. yeah Levi Johnson, he went and was doing disarms over the water. And I thought, I mean, it kind of looked like it was a fail safe to me, but they're like, no, no, it's not a fail safe. He was trying to do it. And if you, we watched the DVR afterwards and you can see him try to rearm, but his throttle wasn't all the way down. So it wouldn't rearm. And he was trying to do one real close to the water. It went in and it didn't come back. So there's a drone <laughs> hopefully washed up on shore on the far side. Everybody, you know, there was a, a line judge watching it, saw the whole thing happen. So he knew, like, he gave everybody a real good marker on where it was. A handful of people thought they were going to run out there and get it. And this river that this play, the campground is next to, it's called um, Whistler's Bend Park. It's a disc golf course and a campground. It's awesome. The river runs all the way around. It's a horseshoe river spot. And they, they go running out there like they're going to get it. And I think the no, if you've ever been around river and rock that's in it, it's maybe more slippery than anything you've ever encountered in your life. Uh-huh. People ate it and then ate it and then ate like dunk, dunk, dunk. Three people just went down in a row. Ribbit was, was one of them. I felt so bad. <laughs> it, it, she went down hard. And then like two people right behind her went down just as hard. And they weren't even like a quarter of the way there. They had barely gotten into the water. And we're like, you guys, you're not even going the right way. Like Derek <laughs> was trying to tell people where it was, but maybe it was just when the, anyway, 
needless to say, the dudes are going to go out there later and get it in the rafts and all that. So ho- hopefully it got recovered. I haven't heard anything yet, but it was it was it was a, a very interesting uh, freestyle maneuver to do the disarm over the water, to say the least. I mean. <laughs> The first time he did it, it was sketchy. I was like, oh, 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 oh. And then he did it again. We're like, oh, this is oh, nah, not good. Minor details. Yeah. But hats off to the freestyle pilots. Like I like I said, I got to judge the pro class. So these guys had a lot of pressure on them because the hobby class guys were very aggressive. They were sending, sending, sending. And the, the big difference that I saw from the hobby class to the pro class was the mix or the breaks, if you will. There was a lot more like recoveries and crashes and stuff in the hobby class, but the moves were no less aggressive. Like they were motivated and inspired, I guess, by watching the the pro class guys go because there's a qualifying round for the hobby guys. Then they had a qualifying round for the pro class. And then they took the top, I think it was six out of each of those to the, to the final. So it was a pretty cool experience for me to be on the judges line and ride along and, you know, listen to everybody get amped up in the field because they had some monitors and people were doing ride-alongs as well. So I will say this. It has been forever since I've put a pair of analog goggles on. And I don't know how you people fly analog anymore. Well, it's uh, it comes down for to racing, latency. In, yeah. For racing in a, in a proper field, I guess it's all right. But these freestyle guys... I don't know even how they could see where they were going. Like I gave them bonus points almost for luck. Cause I'm like, you couldn't have seen what you were doing. I couldn't see what was happening right there. Well, it's kind of like racing. You don't actually see the course when you get to a certain speed. Yeah. yeah. You just have to know, you have to know where you're going. Let your thumbs and your sticks do the work for you. Right. Yep. The, yeah. vis- the visuals are just confirmation that you did what you needed to do. Right. So that is a super fun experience. And then they have uh, nighttime fun. They have a DJ light show there was a dude with one of those balloon wands and then balloon people were making wands. balloons inside the balloons and they were trying to balloon a tiny whoop. It was <laughs> <laughs> or not balloon, but you know what I mean? Bubbles. They were doing bubbles, not balloons. I'm sorry. Bubbles. Saye was there with his bubble wand making bubbles. It was hilarious. And then what else? It's a campground. As I mentioned, they have hot showers that are free that are there and you can reserve campsites. So put West coast throwdown on your schedule for next year. It is the third weekend in August every year. Easy enough. Might have to start freestyling again. Uh, I, yeah, it's the freestyle course and area that they had was pretty awesome. The, nice. the, the tree, they had a whole canopy section and there was a trees in the lower end. And then the ridge line. it was if you like freestyle, this this was a a, a, a heaven of a spot to be able to fly kind of nonstop all weekend. So I did manage to do a whole nother drone event and not fly my copter at all, but I got to use my goggles to judge with. So at least I got something on. Yeah, golf clap. Yeah. But next topic is new products, and this is an area of Mike's expertise. Because he knows the number letter soups better than I do. The flight controls are back in stock. Ah, the yes, part number are. didn't change, but something did change. As everyone knows in the world of, uh, I guess, drone technology, components and that, there's lots of changes that happen constantly. And one of those has been uh, MCUs and gyros, uh, chipsets, all this sort of stuff. And the new flight control has a new gyro, right? Yes, it does. Right. Say so, the number letter soup. What was the old one? 
So the old one, oh god, I don't remember the exact numbers off my head, oh, but it's it a, meeting the other day. It's an I. It's the old one was the ICM twenty sixty, and then there's another num- set of numbers after that. Sure, right. But the and ICM then the ICM gyro, and then the new one. And we is, were the only ones that used the ICM gyro. Well, one of the few that used the M. Everyone else was using the MP six thousand. MP six thousand. Yep. Right. So now the new uh, flight controllers. The new batch of flight controllers are running the MPU six thousand five hundred. Once again, that's MPU six five zero zero for anybody which, who wants to look it up. Which is the latest version that replaced the previous version? If you will. Yep. Yeah. So, there, so the other one doesn't exist anymore. Now it's all this new one. The MPU six thousand has been discontinued for actually a little while now. Right, um, right. Apparently, there are places like there's a bunch of places that still have them in stock, from what I hear. But you know that that's it will it's going to come to an end at some point. So, so that's just to confirm because we've gotten questions in about what's it come with this, then the other thing. Now we know. Yep. Mike asked the engineers himself. He says, "Hey, number letter soup. What number letter soup do we have now?" And we, so in the higher end world of drone tuning these days, because I'm, if anybody knows me, I don't tune. I'm a default guy and hyper smooth takes care of the rest for me in my GoPro. But for racers and stuff like that, each gyro has like a different set of filter style settings, range. There's a lot of ways that you could phrase what I'm trying to say, but there's going to be a different kind of mentality or tune style for each of the gyros. And that's what we're working on next so that we have at least some basic guidelines for you. Mike's got flight controls in route to him ASAP. Yep. So uh, let's see what else is on that list, Charlie. Well, there's a couple things that I can only allude to because the official announcements aren't yet. So we we can get ourselves in trouble by talking about telling people what's coming out. But I will say this. There are some new tools coming out from Highwing, electronical tools. So I'm excited. I'm very excited for this. I have it on my bench. It's right here. I can see it. And it's going to it's going to make a lot of racers and tuners and hobby shops and people who do troubleshootings lives a whole lot easier for doing some basic checks. And then we also have some rock crawl stuff coming along we just did the fusion pro 2300 so you can be you know it's pretty easy to expect some more changes in the rock crawl segment so we got some fun stuff coming along there and i and then that's about all i can say for stuff that you don't already know about i mean i know that's very limited i apologize i hate to be one of those dudes who like lead you on but don't worry it's all good you'll find out soon enough right but and then I do want to give everybody a bit more information on the drag racing update because we talked about it a little bit last time and people saw the new motors at Straight Line Showdown. And I know that I've mentioned our drag racing firmware many, many times before. All of that is still moving forward. We've gotten some uh, confirmations through engineering department about the directions that we're going with the motors. We're going to offer some four pole drag motors in various sizes. And we also are working on some hardware changes for the speed control platform to help with the, I guess you'd say the abuse that drag racing puts on a speed control. In addition to firmware, these are all things that I've said before uh, for the most part, but all that is still moving forward. And I think we're getting a, we're, we're as close as we've been in a long time to having some actual answers for the things that we were trying to chase down and make stop happening. So 
all very good signs so far. Um, I wouldn't lie to you. If we were going backwards, I tell you, but we're going forward. So I, I like I like I like the way that the drag racing kind of segment has changed now that there's so much traction that it almost makes the job a little more direct. We just have to make big power now instead of finicky tuning to get over lack of traction. So I like it. I like it a lot. Cool. And then I had an awesome conversation at my local hobby shop, Jake's Performance Hobbies in Roner Park, California. We have a pretty big drift scene here, and one of the guys was talking to me about the rotors of the different drift motors that we had and what it all means. And I figured now would be a fantastic time to talk about rotors in general, not just drifting rotors. This general thing applies to all of them. If you're familiar with a two-pole sensor turned base brushless motor and i mean i guess this kind of applies to, to four pole motors as well but the tuning rotors just aren't as common there are uh, the rotor is the magnet on the shaft the outside of the motor the can if you will is called the stator and that has the coils in it so there's different rotors for the motor which is the magnet and they're in available with different number letter soup on them for what they do and what you're looking at here is the change in rpm and drag brakes, which is kind of like the, the off-power cogging, as well as the overall braking performance and some temperature characteristics are all going to kind of change at the same time when you change a rotor. And everybody wants to know what's the best rotor that I should use for a given application. And there, I've, I've said it for years, there's no such thing as best. There's only different. Some rotors are going to be better in certain situations than others. Gearing limitations can come into effect. If you cannot change gearing, those are the situations where you may want to change a rotor instead because you're limited on gearing. But the timing changes in the end bell, the gearing changes that you have from the car, all of that can do a lot of the, the compensation for basic power. Where the tuning rotors really start to help is the feel. What the motor does off power, what it does acceleration-wise, the amount of brake that it has, and for some situations, the style of racing that you do, the, the temperature tolerance. So the smaller, there, there's, there's three things with a rotor size. There's the outside diameter. There's the hub size, which is the, the metal part of the shaft that's not magnet. And then there is the material that it's made out of. And the diameter affects the torque. They all affect the same thing kind of equally or not equally, but they all affect the torque. They affect the temperature tolerance and they affect the RPM kind of all at the same time. So the thicker the magnet is, the larger diameter it is, the stronger it's going to be. And that will give you basically less RPM, more torque. And depending on the load situation, whether you're using the high RPM or the low RPM, you're going to get more temperature because of all of that. Higher RPMs make more temperature than lower RPMs when there's less air gap is the way that I've always understood it. So the balancing act of what rotor you want is more about what feel you're going for. If you want a motor, a rotor or a, a, the throttle feel to be a little bit softer, uh, smoother, if you will, then going to a smaller diameter, either a thinner material or a thinner magnet means a larger hub on the shaft or a weaker style of material because there's different material ratings as well or the strength of the rotor. So you can get some very simple characteristic changes by swapping through rotors that are going to make the motor respond differently to the loads as well. And that's where this feel thing comes into play. There's enough tuning in the speed control that you can you know, fix it six ways from sideways on electronic adjustments. But sometimes that organic feel of a, of a magnet being different 
gives you that response kind of from trigger input and as the car loads up, things like that, that that get it right or wrong and why these things even exist. I mean, we wouldn't have tuning rotors if we could just do it all in the speed control. There's been plenty of situations where the, we, we run up and down the spectrum of the tuning aspect and the driver's still kind of asking for some more. And that's where these, these tuning rotors come into play. And Mike's probably laughing. He's like, that's the most vague explanation of something I've heard in a while. But in the end, it's 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 one of those deals where you do kind of have to do a little bit of testing on your own because it is so fuel related while it's still performance related. So when you change a rotor, you could just slap it in there, see what it does different. But depending on the style, like if, let's say, for example, you're going to a larger diameter rotor. If you put that in there and don't make any changes to either gearing or speed control settings, it's basically just going to feel slower and have more brakes. And that may not be what you're looking for. So you got to be ready to make changes for, for what you're doing. So if you put a higher RPM rotor in, obviously you want to change pinion gear, smaller size to compensate for that. So you're not just dealing with uh, one, one big change affecting kind of what you should have changed or uh, something that should have been adjusted as well. Does, does any of that make sense? I think that makes sense. It's pretty clear. I understood it. Sometimes. What I feel is a simple topic when I start to talk about it, it becomes more complex in my head. So I apologize if I rambled on. The good news is if you have any questions about what I was just talking about, you can email me directly. RCStuff at hobbywing.com. Say, hey, you said this doesn't make any sense to me. Can you explain that? I'll be happy to help out. And emails like that help us make better podcasts. So we definitely appreciate when you guys reach out to us and ask us questions and all that. So. But that's my, I guess, quick and dirty. What was that? Eight, nine minutes on rotors? Good God. Sorry about that. That's all good. I got learned it today. I'm happy. That's good. So something that Mike and I have been talking about was Mike got an X-Max. I, I, <laughs> X-Max has been one of my favorite RC trucks that I, if you would have told me ever that I would love an, a monster truck that was 8S, weighed I don't know. What does that thing weigh? 30, 40 pounds, I feel like, sometimes? Uh, I think it's, they, they list it at 20-something pounds without batteries. Jesus. So you, I would have called you a liar. said, no, that's stupid. I love this truck. When I take it places, you can do backflips off of trees, fences. It does wheelies on command. People come from far and wide to stare at it, and it's like an impressive RC car for once. Like, how fast is it? And then you drive it, and people are like, oh, my God. Mike got one. Because I feel like that everybody that works in the hobby industry should have RC cars and do all the things. So we made sure that Mike got one. And he drove it around with his thing. We had some conversations. And he told me all the things. Like, haha, that's great. And then finally, what did you, you got all the things. And you did the full upgrade, right? Yep. So I got the Max. I, the first thing I did was just put the Max 6 in there. And right off the bat. It, ESC only. ESC only. Yeah. Kept the stock motor in there. And it definitely picked up the throttle response, felt better. Um, and it was nice to be able to actually turn the brakes down. Because mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, the initial braking on it was so much, you'd hit the brakes and the truck would just do end up doing a full-on front flip. Yeah. And so it was, it was nice to be able to adjust that down to like what would actually grip and slow the, slow it down without flipping it over. And then uh, I finally got around to putting the uh, the easy run, the 5687, 11,000 kV motor in it. 1100. 1100, yep. And this thing is, uh, I don't, I, I don't, I, it's, it's stupid. <laughs> I, ha- I have one with the 1650 in it that I run on 6S and that thing's retarded. I haven't put the 1100 in yet because I was scared. What did you gear it? What uh, opinion is for? 
So I'm running a 24 pinion and a 54 spur. Oh, excellent. The stock, stock spur gear um, and the 24 pinion. And I actually wanted to go 18, but I'm kind of happy I didn't because it might be too torquey. Right. It would, yeah. I mean, even with the 24 pinion on it at the moment, like it, I haven't been able to drive the thing at full throttle. So here, here, here's my thing. Some, sometimes the motors have so much torque that as you change the pinion gear size, smaller pinion gear actually feels like it has less torque because you're going to be deeper in the trigger for the same RPM because the torque doesn't actually change. So it might smooth it out a bunch going to a smaller pinion gear. Just saying. Okay. I'd I say will... give it a whirl, and then well, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Because you can only do a backflip so hard. So if you go to a smaller thing here, it's not because you, know, you have to pull the trigger further to get it to do the same backflip, maybe. Well, here's the thing, though. Um, the 24 pinion was not by oh, that's right, by choice. Because I decided to, you know, pull the the full. Let's let's see what we can do off Amazon only. <laughs> <laughs> mm. so the the only map that i could find on amazon um would only allow me to adjust the motor and right. enough to fit the 24 so so if you're unfamiliar with the x max traxxas made a truck that only fits their motor it doesn't have like a standard motor mount in it there's these funny brackets that bolt to the motor and then that bolts into the truck and you're kind of limited on getting an aftermarket motor in there i could see why now because really they're stock motors fine like that's all that silly truck really needs but to put a bigger motor in, there's a whole world of aftermarket what i'll call l brackets with slots in them that that replace Mm -hmm. things and can can make it happen so if you're if you're into that sort of thing x maxes upgrades and i talk to people probably a couple times a week that have an x max that they bought our 1100 kv system so they could run on 8s and they're dealing with all that my biggest pro tip is the gearing don't don't do the one to one gear ratios or anything like that. Like Mike's got a twenty something and a fifty something. That's what you want. Like a big gap between your pinion and your spur gear. They shouldn't be in the same group of ten. Like it should be like a twenty and a forty or a twenty and a fifty type of deal. Yeah, I mean that's that's a two point two point two five ratio. Well, I mean, I appreciate what the internet says is that there's diffs in there. So you have to add that into the reduction as well. All I'm saying is, is that you can never under gear a setup. You can only over gear it. So you're much better off leaning towards the safe side. Yep. That was the smallest pinion I could fit on there. Yeah. Go on the Amazon route. So I think that's true of most of the systems because the motor can only get so low in the chassis until it, it hits things. Or yeah, it, it runs into the battery trays and whatnot, or something like that. Yeah, the the only other way to go any smaller for me would be to actually start to cut away some of the uh, the chassis that that goes right up against the battery tray, and uh, I feel like that that's doesn't bad. that doesn't seem like a good idea. No, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, no, this thing is uh, it's uh, it's intense. <laughs> <laughs> I've said it before. X Max is one of the few ones where I kind of get scared to drive it in public. Sometimes I, I, I it gets out of control real quick, and there's nothing you can do. Like it just starts to cartwheel and, and have a good time careening into the people. Oh, I caught myself in the ankle once already. Mm, I yeah, I still have a mark on my shin from a, a mistake, <laughs> a bad judgment call. Oh. oh. Man. You know what? Something I forgot. Last episode, we talked about events that I was going to, and I completely forgot about Proline by the Fire. 
the first week in, in October at Horseman's Ranch down in Apple Valley, California, I have Hobby Wing will be there. Myself, I think some of the office folks get to come out this year and drive trucks. Nice. Mike doesn't get to go, but the rest of us are probably going to be there. And uh, so if you are a fan of Proline by the Fire, swing by the Hobby Wing booth, we'll have mm, event specials going on. So that'll be fun. Nice. I don't want to forget that. But uh, I think that probably brings us to everyone's favorite part of the show. Oh, really? You don't know what that is, do you? Mm. He knows. He knows. It's the free RC stuff. Oh. Oh, oh, how could I forget that? <laughs> Sorry, I was flipping, flipping through all my papers, you know, trying to find stuff. I was very excited. I could tell. But part of the, the reason that we talked about rotors is because of this week's winner being from California Ooh. and being in a drifting. I thought it was a good time to address some of the, the rotor topics. So put your hands together for Mr. Larry Wilson from Murrieta, California. He is this week's winner of the free RC Stuff. All he had to do to win was send an email to rcstuff at hobbywing.com. He included his name, his address, his T-shirt size, as well as what type of RC stuff he was into. You can do the same and be entered to win some free RC Stuff. We give away a free Hobbywing system every single episode. So nice. please send us an email. Don't forget um, to type your think, email address in. Yeah, if you type your email address in, you get bonus points. It's With not them. necessary, but it certainly helps. I've learned a better way to copy and paste things. So I'm, I've, I've been doing better. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Good looking. <laughs> All, right. All right, folks. But I think that is going to do it for another episode of RC Stuff Powered by Hobbywing. Mike Chen has been here along with myself, Mr. Charlie Sawanka. We thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you all next time. Bye.